0: Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with Nicholas and Heather Vesey. So, we're now coming towards the end of the series that uh, we've been doing on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which is Jesus' wisdom teaching. What we're dealing with now is really his concluding remarks, uh, but there's still four more to go. Um, and if you want to hear the past ones, you can get them on our podcast through iTunes or Google Play. As I said before, the sermon starts with the Beatitudes, which is a description of the journey that takes uh, us in our lives uh, to attaining a true relationship with the divine, beginning with the not knowing of the poor in spirit uh, to the complete acceptance at the end of the Beatitudes with blessed are the persecutors. Jesus then makes some comments about the importance of the work in in the salt and light passages and shows us the way that the kingdom works, the idea of a law that comes from a non-dual perspective where there is no distinction between heaven and earth. Then he asks us to love all of creation, including our enemies, and asks us to be true to our inner calling rather than just playing to the gallery. He then shows us how to connect to the divine using those words of the Lord's Prayer and makes the point that we have to be one-focused in our approach. You can't serve both God God and money. So through the sermon, Jesus is giving us pointers uh, about what living in that kingdom of heaven means. It's a how-to of living a life filled with love, a philosophy of how to live our lives more skillfully. So having done that, he then goes on uh, to focus on the importance of keeping our minds in check. We looked at that command, do not worry, um, and then last week, we addressed the whole idea of judgment, of having absolute trust uh, in the universe uh, of which we're a part. And Jesus now says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one to who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you good gifts if you ask him? So in everything, do unto others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. So having laid out the terms that show how to relate to our lives through our relationship with the divine nature, Jesus is in this passage really just saying, go for it. At first glance, it might look like he's saying that you can have whatever you want just by asking for it. That Tesla, that house on Starwood, the perfect partner, complete immunity from the coronavirus, But the Greek word that's used here for the word ask is etio. It actually means to beg, to call for, to crave, to desire, to require. And I think Jesus is talking out of the context of what's gone before. All the conversations that have gone before, he's relating to that. He's not talking about our desire for a Tesla. He's addressing our fear that we'll not be able to reach that place of serenity in our lives that he's been speaking about, that we won't be able to get to that kingdom of heaven, that present moment, that communion with that grand presence. Our minds doubt that it's possible. We carry on with our worries, with our judgments, with our dysfunctionality, with our anger, with our fears, And we think, this is never going to happen. It's just too idealistic. And he's saying, having gone through all of the stuff that you can have, he then says, no, go for it. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. If you push at that door, it will be opened to you. He's saying that if you really want that enlightenment, that we should ask for what we need to achieve it. And the universe will conspire to show you the way. And often we do experience that in our lives as we go through, particularly in our spiritual lives, we just experience things coming to us when we begin to ask. He's suggesting that that we link into the universal mind and we ask for directions. Just as he suggested in the Lord's Prayer, may your will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Give us today our bread from above that gives our whole life meaning. That's what he's really talking about. Give us today our bread from above that gives our whole life meaning. Jesus is saying, instruct your mind to ask that great wisdom to come to you and to show you the way. But you know, deep down, we're so ingrained by our doubts and by what's been taught to us in the name of Christianity that a lot of us, you know, we just don't think it's going to happen. We hear these great words, but deep down we think, well, it's not really going to happen to me. We are prescriptive in our ideas about God, be that an old man in the sky or a slightly younger version sitting next to him. We have the idea that, you know, we're just not good enough. And the best we can do is to admit that we are miserable offenders plagued with original sin, and brought low by our own misdeeds. As we spoke of last week, we have to unlearn that. We have to be willing to not know and to go forward with a different type of faith that trusts that all will be well in the end. And if all isn't well, then it isn't the end. Robert Kennedy, uh, who came here a while ago, he put it beautifully, the Zen master. He said, it is faith that demands the destruction of what faith built. It is faith that demands the destruction of what faith built. In other words, faith in God has led us up to this whole edifice of Christianity that's come down to us through the centuries. There's a faith in that. But what Jesus is really saying is that we have to be poor in spirit. For him, it was in, about Judaism. We have to be poor in spirit. We have to admit that we really don't know. And we have to have the faith to pursue that relationship with the divine nature at the heart of all things, even if it doesn't conform to our ideas about what it should look like. We have to have the faith to let go of what we think God is to discover the true nature of that divine being. It is faith that demands the destruction of what faith has built. So don't be afraid to push the door, even if everything is telling you that it's futile and that you're not worthy. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? In that, he is asserting the very goodness at the heart of the universe. It's not random, it's not cruel, it is loving. And it is driven to unfold as the epitome of all that is good and all that is loving. And our role is to be a part of that. Now, it may seem to be tangential after all that, um, talking about asking and receiving, suddenly to seemingly pivot into, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. But in reality, this is the next logical step from what Jesus has been speaking about. He's talking About the natural goodness and love, which is at the center of the universe, the one that will open the door to your inner peace if you ask for it. And he's asking us to be a part of that love. Our role in life, as we've said before here, is to be a portal for that love, a gateway for the deep love that's within us and within the universe to come through us into consciousness, into our world, transforming our world as consciousness evolves into a more harmonious realization. And Jesus is asking us to model that to the world. So when everything do unto others as you would have them done to you, known in the trade as the golden rule, because it occurs in all the major world religions. It asks us to play our role of love to all around us, to judge as we would be judged, to love as we would be loved, to have compassion for others as we would have others be compassionate to us. St. Francis addressed this in his prayer. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me so love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope, where there is light, darkness, where there is sadness, may I sow joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. And that, to me, is an action plan for following that golden rule. And Jesus is first saying that it's possible for you to manifest yourself in this divine way. Ask and you'll receive. And that the highest state is to become as love, as God, in the way that we live our lives. Loving with no expectation of return, treating all around us as we would want to be treated. So having spent the whole sermon laying out the true nature of reality and how we should participate in it, he then says, make this real for you and be a part of the change that is wanting to happen in the world. Whether or not you think it's possible, because if you go for it, then the universe will conspire with you to make it happen. And that's the theory anyway. And, and how does it relate to our lives? How does it work in practice? Well, we have to have our portion of faith and adhere to it. And if the truth be told, it will take us so far, but you know, no further. The, the faith that we have will only take us so far. We know what we... Think we can expect. Maybe we expect a semi peaceful life, maybe a sense of being on the side of love, maybe feeling that we're not as judgmental as we might be, maybe feeling that we are at least supporting the work of the divine. However, the faith we have will only take us as far as what we have faith for, as far as our minds can envision us going. And Jesus is saying we have to adopt a bigger faith than that, a faith that demands the destruction of what faith has built. We have to be willing to back the faith we have and let go of the mental constructs that our minds have made out of that faith, to let go of how far we think we can go with it. Because with the destruction of that mental construct, with the destruction of what faith has built, with the destruction of that idealised, fabricated reality, when that goes, comes a vastly bigger context that includes all creation and its evolution. We can play our part as a portal for the loving aims of the universe. And Jesus says to us, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. And to ask is to invite the universe to come and to show us the way. And this means that our lives have to become full of meaning. What was previously a small and little life lived in the shadows of our doubts becomes a vast, And mighty work lived out of the potential within our souls. And the difference between the two is the difference between living out of the potential of the universal mind as opposed to the limitations of the rational mind. All our actions become filled with a latent potential because they are done in the knowledge that there is a greater doer acting through us, a greater agent acting through us rather than us acting on our own. It transforms all the ordinary things we do every day into something extraordinary because we're doing them in the name of creation rather than just because they're a good idea. And the only thing that stops us Is the limitations of our rational minds the way that our rational minds put those limitations on who we are and the role that we can play? Because Jesus says, everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Are we really asking? Are we really knocking? Or are we going through the motions? To really ask is, is to consider that each of us might have meaning beyond that which we can imagine. That what we're doing here can have import way beyond just being a small chapel in a mountain town. It's all down to our willingness to do the knocking and to do the asking. Then we can truly fulfill the law of the prophets, which is to do unto others what you would have them do to you, to be a part of life's longing for itself, to enable those around us to fulfill their desire for meaning, to open the eyes of those who wish to see and the ears of those who wish to hear. Amen. So, um, any thoughts um, on what I was talking about?
1: Well, what strikes me from all of that is um, what you, well, you said. This is to, to see that um, instruction in a way of of art, you know of asking to see that within the whole context of the whole sermon on the mount, everything we've been hearing over these last yeah. weeks, and um, to put it in that context, and then and then just to ask ourselves, like, what what do I long for? What what do I want? And, and just to um, To ask and expect, and and I I feel like sometimes we don't ask for fear of being disappointed. Like we settle for we settle for less for fear of of not getting what we really want. And I, I feel invited through this just to just ask, like take a risk, take a risk that you might actually be given what you what you want.
0: Yeah, I was thinking it's 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 so interesting that as well that our our rational minds are so limited. In, in in what they think they want. I mean, I've, I've said this before, I know. I, I've, I, after you've been somewhere five years, you've always said it all before anyway. But I, I said before that, you know, if I was, you know, when I was like 25, 30, you know, my ideals of what I'd really want to have in my life were infused, islands, yachts, cars, girls. You know, I had this vision of what would be the ideal place to, to end up. And if I'd been told that I'd be a, a priest of the Church of England, you know, I would never have believed it, and yet, you know, it's. I didn't know that that's actually what I wanted. There was a yearning that came through, and you know, even later, you know, when I was being ordained in Rochester Cathedral in the year nineteen ninety-seven you know, into the Church of England, you know, I wouldn't have known that I'd have come here to Aspen and, you know, come into this sort of environment uh, because you know, I, I'd sort of seen myself within the Church of England uh and, and yet there's something has taken me into a slightly different direction further than that and it's it's the not knowing where i'm going and being open to being shown something completely different you know that i think is important
1: yeah and i i recognize it in my life too that you know seek first his kingdom and his rights all these things will be given to you i i i recognize that in my life that that's what i've always gone for that and and you know, like here we, here we, here we are, and it's just a, like who would have imagined? And um, it's just, it's just going into life with this, um, with this expectation and sense of not knowing and the beginner's mind, and just yeah. like we think we know what we want and we put it out there, and but just like, just to go, hoping, wanting, expecting. With a certain humility about it, I also really love that line um, from Robert Kennedy that you quoted. It's that it's um, our faith needs to that demands the destruction of what faith built. Like we've built our own understanding of what life is and how faith our faith. Um, But it's cool, isn't it? The thought of somehow also deconstructing that and and coming to it freshly every day. You know, reconstructing our faith.
0: Yes. And I love the way you bring up the idea of humility because you have to have humility in that as well because you can ask, you know, that, that you know, that like I could ask, you know, I've sell thousands of books and have Deepak Chopra and all that sort of business. But actually, I also have to be realised and be completely satisfied with the day-to-day living that I'm doing right now. And, you know, this is enough, to have it be enough but to have the ordinary become extraordinary rather than trying to think up the extraordinary and live up to that. Yes. That's the, I think that's the priority, is, is, is not to come up with some extraordinary thing because that's just like another Tesla. Yeah. You know, to, yeah. but actually what we're asking for is the ordinary to become extraordinary.
1: Yeah, completely. I mean, for me, this is not about anything material. This is no. not about having, you know, anything better materially, that's how I see it. it. This, is, to me, is speaking of um, that inner abundance, you know, deep s- satisfaction that the whole Sermon on the Mount is pointing towards.
0: Because this whole bit does actually t- go towards, you know, in a sense, spiritual consumerism. Yeah, and you that's know? not what we're talking no. about. No, and, and finally, at the next week, I think next week we're talking about false gurus and false prophets. And really, you know, it follows on quite naturally because the whole spiritual consumerism, even the consumerism is, I want to be enlightened. You know, is like ticking off a box. I want to have a peak experience. When actually what we're really asked is for this really ordinary experience of just us sitting together now being completely enough.
1: Yeah, and really that what what it's all about is, is a journey to become to loving more deeply and more authentically.
0: Yeah. That's, That's perfect. All. Yeah, loving more deeply and more th- I didn't think I should add to that at all. Thank you. Thank you. That's <laughs> great. Loving more deeply and more authentically. I should have written above my desk. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks for listening. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you. And if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, Subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.